just what I mentioned just now that fencing is in my blood. <laughs> yeah, so so I feel that if I don't do this, when I can do it, like I I don't want to wait until I can't have the fitness to do it anymore, and it will be my biggest regret. Hello everyone and welcome back to Insights, the podcast that gives you insights into what really happens in the world of sports and esports. Our guest today is a national fencer who has had quite an interesting story in her journey to get to where she is. Her name is Kimberly and she most recently represented Malaysia at the 2019 SEA Games in the Philippines. Have you always wanted to know more about fencing or you know how you can get involved in it? Well, stay tuned because we're going all in today to find out what fencing is all about. And without further ado, let's go to this episode of Insights. Hi Kimberly. Um so how's things going with you? Everything is doing fine. Thank you. Okay. So maybe you could give the listeners uh, a brief like story on you know who you are, what you're doing right now. That'll be great. Yeah, sure. Um I'm currently working with a few doctors as a medium of bringing patients for preventive healthcare and also involved in medical tourism. Hmm. Um beside that I also do blogs about travels and my fencing experience because I've been to a lot of countries for competition and training camp and healthcare. So I just started out my blog because MCO gave me a lot of time so I can do that. And yeah, um I still continue my training. I'm a I've been national athlete for 13 years now. Okay. So yeah. It's a long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting. How how do you get into that uh that medical tourism thing? Uh I get in medical tourism because I was working uh under Gayana Wellness Center. Mm-hmm. The center is actually uh located at Sabah and the owner have resorts, so he wanted to merge uh doctors preventive healthcare and in the same time uh just bringing patients in and enjoy the resorts so we make we try to do medical tourism yeah okay so i'm not too sure what medical tourism is could you just maybe explain a bit about that <laughs> oh yeah medical tourism is about you can do uh, your treatment with doctor in the same time you can enjoy uh, tours in the uh, locations like for example in sabah then uh, they can enjoy the resort while they doing the preventive healthcare it doesn't mean you must have chronic disease then you do this medical tourism it's just that people who are even though they are i mean fine but not 100% that they are very good with their health right so some of us might have a little bit of problem so or they wanted to boost their immune system or hormones so that is where the doctor part came in and the tour part is that they can enjoy resorts or uh what the owner have lah the like staying in hotel foods and stuff like that 
Ah. There are no restrictions on that. Yeah. So it's like going to the hospital, but a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That that's really cool. As it's like I think one of the first few times I actually heard that. So are you yeah. doing that along with your fencing now or? Yes, of course, because I need my day job, and in the same time, I also do fencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I completely understand. Uh, maybe just for the listeners out there who aren't so familiar with fencing, maybe you could just give a small introduction of you know how the sport is. How do you how do you fence? How's the like competitive yeah, scene sure. like? You know. Alright, uh, just a little bit of history because not everyone know what is fencing. Yes, a lot of people ask me what is fencing. They just go blank. It's like they thought I'm building a fence, you know. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it's quite frustrating sometimes. So whenever I just explain, I said, "Do you see Zoro? Yeah, Zoro. Whatever he's doing is fencing." So they were like, "Oh, okay." But uh, here a little bit of uh history about fencing. Uh, actually, fencing is considered the European martial arts. Okay. And allow participant to develop coordination, balance, and flexibility. So it keeps the mind active and fit for all ages. So imagine you're playing a chess, and your targeting is king to win uh the match, right? Yeah. So it is also uh, almost similar with fencing, but you need to understand that uh, your opponent move and understand what is uh, our own ability to cope with the strategy and gain the winning points. So it's like you're playing on a big chess. Ah, okay. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And fencing have three different weapons. So I just uh, summarize everything. Yeah. Uh, first is foil. Foil is only uh, attacking on the trunk area. And outside the trunk area, there is no point, And they are playing based on priority. However, on the second bit called epi, epi is that you trust any area of your opponent's body, which include head, hands, and toe, but there is no priority. So whoever gets trust will gain point. Even double light also point. Hmm. But the third one, which is saber, which is currently I'm playing, is attacking perimeter will be above the waistline. Oh, okay. So it's different compared to epee and foil because this is by slashing and touching of the blade to gain points. Yeah, the first two is trusting, oh, okay. like poking. Yeah, so saber supposed to be the fastest and the least time to have a second thought about your strategy. So oh, imagine okay. you're running 100 meters and in the same time, you need to think how to gain points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually quite tough, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe just a bit about how how did you get into fencing? Because it's not something that a lot of people, especially I think here, that uh, do this, you know? Uh, Yeah, because fencing actually, especially in Malaysia, is very rare. Yeah. And I'm someone Sabah, you know? So it's <laughs> like, it's very hard to think that, hey, you're from Sabah and somehow you can play fencing. Um, Last time it's like this, uh, my brother is uh joint fencing because he used to play game a lot so he loved like swords game and stuff like that so he's just joined uh that uh, fencing in his school because they have curriculum for that for fencing in school mm. oh okay so yeah and um he joined that and then he is very very hard working and then he go to stadium so i have to follow him but before that i am a sprinter so I the furthest I've been is school to school competition and never in my mind that I would involve with fencing because it is so rare. Mm-hmm. So 
I, well, I was waiting for my brother at the sport complex. The coach asked my brother whether I wanted to try out fencing. So he asked me to do uh, some simple footwork. And they said that I would be great because my foundation that I have strength and speed and will stand out in the sport. So yeah, I told myself why not and I've continued to fence until Sukma 2010 in Malacca. That's that's interesting. <laughs> so yeah. basically you 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 went to uh jaga your brother and then suddenly going to fencing, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh that's unique at least. Yeah. It's quite fun. So you said you fenced until like Sukma 2010, right? Yeah, that is before I went to college. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what what do you study in college? Uh I'm studying uh I'm studying in business administration degree mm. three plus zero. Yeah. And then that's degree already. <laughs> yeah. Foundation oh, okay. also business. So basically it's business. Oh okay. I yeah. see. So that's how you got into the whole medical tourism thing or Oh uh, yeah, because um actually yeah, that's why you know like parents say that oh whatever you study it doesn't matter <laughs> because when you come out you just do other things right yeah so <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh I think the parents were going to kill me <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it's just that um when I work because I started working as a sales girl you see like um I started to work as a sales girl selling cosmetic and stuff like that. So never in, in my mother's mind is like I oh, I never think that you will go in uh, medical tourism or even working <laughs> with doctors because it's a huge leap. And I was lucky because that time I was helping a doctor to slim down. Okay. And he offered me a job. So oh. I was like, "Oh, okay, there's a good opportunity, but he said it's in KL." So I have to make a huge decision because transferring from Sabah to KL is a huge change for me. Yeah, imagine like orang kampung, I go to city like wow, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very scared to drive here in KL at first. <laughs> oh, don't worry, me too. Don't worry, and I live here. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's how I started my medical tourism. I have been working with doctors for quite few years now. Okay, that that that's actually really cool. So I know that uh, you kind of took a break from fencing after you started uh after 2010 is that right? Yes, correct because um it's really tough decision to make because you know fencing had been in my blood every day I go training mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like I sacrifice all of my play time you know like uh just go out with friends and stuff like that I never do that because training last time because i wanted to be a professional athlete last time mm-hmm. so one day i have to train about 5 hours to 6 hours yeah i only have night time to study so that is my life <laughs> and it's a really huge decision to make and when you are in university your timetable is very tight yeah you also know that right and yeah. a lot of commitments and career developments and a lot of responsibility kicks in so i decided to let go after i won the sukma 2010 event in malacca and gain the first gold medal for sabah individual event so mm. i was like thinking okay i already make a mark for myself so why not just <laughs> yeah yeah but i was lucky because um when i relocated from sabah to kuala lumpur i actually don't have any friends in kl 
But one of my close friends from Penang moved to KL and she opened a club, which is Musketeer Fencing Academy at Seri Hatama, so which is a walking distance from my home. Um, and from there, I just pick up my hobby again and slowly develop my interest and reminded myself that how much I love fencing. Mm, <laughs> but okay. between that time, I didn't really take it seriously because yeah, my career is still developing. And fencing, I just fence after my day job. So I attend like three times a week for the class. Ah, okay. And that time I still doing my studies also. Yeah, I continue my studies again. Like after degree, I continue again. Yeah. Okay, I see. That's uh, yeah, I I understand. You know that the scheduling of stuff is can be quite tough, especially if you want to. Yes, it's not that easy because the training time consumes most of your day. Yeah, I think coming back to that subject, right? Maybe give us an idea of what your usual day was or your schedule was when you were fencing. Um. Last time, because of um, high school, you mean during high school, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's, uh, after class, I directly went to the uh, sport complex and I literally just wait for coach or sometimes coach will pick me up. So I'm quite good uh, because coach is like, <laughs> okay, after school, I will just pick you up and then we go to fencing center and then we train. But most of the time, I will go to fencing center and after that, I will just wait for coach and we train about uh, three hours to five hours. Uh, and the training is quite intensive because uh, warm up and stuff like that, we have to run. And yeah, it's very tough and we have to do one-on-one -on -one co uh, coaching time training. So while coach is doing, it's like this last time. I'm not that tall, actually, <laughs> for a sport person. Yeah, I'm only 5 feet. So a lot of people comment saying that fencing should be for tall people. So I want to prove that point wrong. And the, if, because the national coach also mentioned that I am not suitable to become a national team. So it's a really tough journey for me. For the first three years, I train very hard. People rest time. I still continue to do footwork. People, uh, like, they all go home. I just continue to train and run and just try to build up my fitness because the only thing I am uh, winning above them is the speed because I'm quite fast compared to other fencers. Mm -hmm. So I want to build that. You know, when you find your strength, you have to build more strength on that. And the mental... Uh, fitness is really really important because without the mental fitness it will break me you know mm, because yeah. a lot of um people comment is very nasty they were like I choose because I have another teammate uh, fencing is like this you need four people and the two person will be the uh, priority player because priority player will able to play individual event and team event Mm -hmm. both events so i have another teammate that is 170 cm and above mm. so i am only 153 <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they choose her over me and whatever camp that they have national camp they choose her over me so i never been to national camp and it's it's really sad that time so i keep pushing for uh hard so the training time, I can say that, yes, it's average five to six hours per day for me. 
But for others, normal usually is only two hours. Like they just come and go. Hmm. Okay. So it's yeah. You put a lot of effort into trying to become better. Yeah. Extra effort. Have to. No choice already. <laughs> yeah. I think let, let's just talk about. I know that you. You kind of quit the sport in 2010, and then you kind of came back yes. to 2019 to de- and decided to join Sea Games. Can you just talk more about yes. that and why? What made you want to come back? Actually, um, 2010 to 2019 is like nine years of gap. So, yeah, yeah it's it's very hard for me. And why I decide to come back because I don't want to regret. In because sometimes it's like. Uh, when you are in indulge in your career, like you climb higher and higher, you just don't want to let go, and your life is started to like getting, you know, like you have steady income and then you have your customer base and stuff like that. You just don't want to let go. But for me, I feel like yes, I have career, I have education, but something still missing in me. Just what I mentioned just now that fencing is in my blood. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I feel that if I don't do this, when I can do it? Like, I, I don't want to wait until I can't uh, have the fitness to do it anymore. And mm-hmm. it will be my biggest regret. Yeah, because I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I I mean, everything, just have to accept it, the reality. Like, when I go back to training is... 2019, I'm 29 years old, you know. So oh. when <laughs> I go back to, yeah, when I go back to fencing in clubs, I can see like children like six years old or 13 years old, 14 years old. So yeah, they feel, I mean, thank God my mom gave me a youthful look. I can blend in <laughs> and my height is not that tall. <laughs> So people sometimes like, even I went to Korea, they said that you look like 18, then I say, thank you, I will give you a <laughs> candy later. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's part of the advantage. But the really, the true desire is that I don't want to have regret in my life. Mm. If I want to do it, just do it. Yeah. So the journey, the journey is like, yeah, like what I mentioned, like um, I wanted to do it. Because 2019 is also a Sea Games in Philippines. And yeah, I wanted to participate in Sea Games Philippines. So I made a decision that um I have to, but this this uh part is not that you wanted to go, then they will send you. Yeah. You have to qualify yourself. Yeah. So in the qualification rounds, it's like you have four competitions before Sea Games in Malaysia. So you have to gain the ranking. Like you have to be top two in Malaysia. Then you will confirm and guarantee your spot for the fencing event. And this is where I, yeah, nine years to pick up and become top two again is quite crazy. And yeah. whenever like all oh, fences, they saw me, like coaches, they saw me were like, oh, you come back. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I just, I cannot say that what I really want is, it's like, I'm so embarrassed, but I just say that, oh yeah, I just play for fun. I cannot say the true intention. Yeah, mm. I, I'm not ready, you see. Okay. So uh, they just say that, oh, uh, so you come here just to fence? I was like, yeah, I want to fence. But in my heart, I was like, I want to win this. It's not just play, play only. <laughs> yeah. So 
from there, I, uh, from the four competition in Malaysia last year, I managed to get top two. And yeah, I managed to go SIGEM Philippines 2019. That's actually like a great story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to ask you, like, what, what, what was like the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges to, you know, come back after nine years and try to make the SIGEM <laughs> squad? Oh, actually, there are a few points in this um, because, well, the challenges, like what I said, is that, yeah, I have to train with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> then the parents is almost my age. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, sometimes you must, if you want to do it, just do it. And, yeah, fencing... It's very excited. Uh, I'm very excited to go back. But sometimes, you know, the signal from my brain to my body reactive muscle is not as smooth as last time. Mm. And of course, fencing is a sport where you need uh, to do a repetitive action until your muscle memory is intact with your mind. And you would just react without thinking while inspiring or competition bouts. So from there, I must pick up my fitness, obviously, and getting used to the style of different coach. Uh, teaching style and the difference between coming back in and just starting during my past training is that we do not really emphasize on the terms of fencing because last time in Sabah we just train based on action coach just say uh, left right up <laughs> we don't have any term yeah but now they really emphasize on the educations of fencing like for example like compound attack renewal attack or attack alpha all these terms are very foreign for me at first and because in the past we just um yeah just what i said just now and i really don't understand the theory mm. so it's very hard for me to pick up again as most of the kids has been exposed to the term since they started fencing. And of course, another challenge is that the rules of fencing is not stagnant. They're always evolving. So I need to keep up with the rules before entering the bouts. And without practice, knowing with words only, reacting to the rules is very, very difficult. So yeah, like even now, so last time is Sabah helped me to sign up competition now i have to learn how to sign up myself to join mm. competition but i'm really glad because uh my friend who owns the musketeer fencing academy and also malaysia fencing federation they helped to approve my participation and this allows me to keep an update on what's the fencing calendar year look like and i will plan my training and travels like that yeah so i get some help uh, actually that's good. I mean, I, I think it's quite hard, especially if you're, you know, usually when you're in the, like, playing for your state or for your country, usually there's someone to take care of you and, you know, do all these things yeah. for you. <laughs> That's why, yeah. Even the blades, they provide for us, you know, last time in Sabah. Oh, really? I didn't even pay a cent. Yeah, I didn't really pay a cent to buy equipment. Because last time, if you are a state player, they just give you. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought you had to buy them yourself. I mean, when you're starting, of course you oh, need okay. to buy. Yeah. But last time, yeah, when I start, I just buy China China stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but when you're going in international competition, you need to buy a higher grade, uh, fencing blades. Yeah, and the equipments. Mm, they okay. will check if yeah if the weapon is not passed, then you can't even participate in the competition. 
Oh, it's quite okay. expensive though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is there like a standard or like a standardized like equipment that you have, you have to use or like what what kind of standards does it have to pass to be able to use it in the international competition? Yeah, for example, like if you play uh like my my blade saber, right? Yeah. So I need to have spare blade. So whenever I go enter the competition, I need an extra blade by my side. So all this equipment like the blades and the body wire, the mask, the lame, so all the uniforms, all this have to go through weapon check. So if they don't give you a chalk or a sticker on your weapon or your uniform or your mask, you can't enter the competition. Oh, okay. Yeah, but even though like, for example, body wire, they put a sticker on it or they already mark it past. But when you enter the competition round and it still fell, you will get a yellow card. Okay, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Does that happen often or? (laughs) A lot of times. So it's like, like free points for the opponent actually because once you look cut and then the second time again you still f- having fell body wire you'll get a red cut and then yeah your opponent will get a point i see i see yeah so it's very very important to make sure your but yeah your fencing equipment's all ready okay okay cool cool i never mm. knew this yeah <laughs> what what do you think or uh, in your experience, what does it take to be successful in fencing or to be good at it? Mm, all I can say is that practice makes every fencer from zero will be the toughest opponent to fence. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose because it will be the most satisfying bout that you will ever fence. And practice comes with a lot of sacrifice because practice will need time and focus. You cannot do two or three things in the same time and expect success. For example, like I wanted to uh, do my job and then I wanted to uh, in the same time study and I wanted to fans and I expect that I can uh, become a champion in everything, right? So yeah, you have to choose only one. So once you have developed strong foundation and on the first choice, then you can move on on your second choice. And always have to remember, mind empowerment is always the winning point. So no matter how strong you are at a piece or how capable, the last point is always the hardest to close the match because without confidence, you will always end up stagnant and it seems close to our life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So like what you're saying is basically you have to focus on one thing, right? Instead of trying yeah. to do like six things and being like, yeah. normal at it. <laughs> Trying to focus on yeah, one yeah. and be good at that, right? Yes. Yeah, I think I think that that's the same as life. I think. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think a lot of people they try to you know be be everything you know be be a good husband be a good uh, I don't know yeah. footballer. <laughs> no, because no, not even like uh, adults like us. Because I saw a lot of kids nowadays. Mm-hmm. I saw them. They try to swim. They try to play basketball. They even try football then they go fencing it's like they already drain their whole day out and they continue to train again it's like they already don't have energy to train why are you going to train you already <laughs> like do a lot of sports in a day and then you come to train at night it's like what are you going to learn you won't be focusing on things anymore because yeah it's very tiring you know once you're tired whatever coach is teaching you is nothing yeah yeah true 
But I think sometimes that's because of the of the parents as well <laughs> sending their kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, the parents is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so maybe um, I just want to probe a bit about you know if was there anything funny that happened? Is there anything funny that happens during like in a in a tournament or between matches while waiting stuff like that or anything that you have experienced? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually. Uh, last year, uh, during preparation for my SEA Games Philippines, uh, me and few of the teammates went to Tashkent, Uzbekistan for four weeks. And imagine there will be a language barrier because mostly they speak Russian and Uzbek. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I remember quite well when I first arrived and only five of us include two Uzbek fans in the lift. So one of our coach, which is the Malaysian coach, asked this Uzbek fencer, how old are you? And then the Uzbek fencer just answered, I am fine. <laughs> and then we're just like, uh, okay. <laughs> then it's not that we're trying to insult him. We're just like, no, he was asking, how old are you? Then we were like, oh, okay. Uh, he's, he just like, replied normally because maybe the language barrier was having a problem. Hmm. But the most funny moment I, I never, never forget is during representing Sabah that time. Because uh, during 16 years old that time, I remember I was so crazily in love with another state fencer. You know, oh. sometimes all these things happen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was desperate to meet him. And we end up meeting at the hotel's emergency stair. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but never I would imagine that my Sabah coach is smoking at the stair, you know. <laughs> so... He literally just staring from upstairs to us downstairs and he shouted my name so loud and he dashed down to catch me <laughs> and we have to separate our path and I literally, due to fear, I have not aware that the hotel is in square shape because we like, <laughs> I'm just running round and round. <laughs> and out of desperation, I have to run into a storeroom and hide in the dark. So imagine how brave I am. Just simply go to a storeroom just to hide. But the coach didn't catch me. Lah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why I never forget. Because I was thinking, wow, how brave I am just to go a random storeroom. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's quite... <laughs> that's not what people would normally do, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think just keeping yeah. on the this this uh, theme of memorable moments. What, what, what was for you like your highest point or like uh, in your career? Um, my highest point is that I remember where I started to have mental breakthrough in mm. year 2006. I remember clearly because that time in Sukma Terengganu, I literally, due to exhaustion and lack of motivation, I lost one point to a Joko fencer. And that point was given away my chance to get my first gold medal. And after that, I was so afraid, you know, the points, because winning point is 15 points mm-hmm. and both of us get 14-14. Oh. So I was so tired and exhausted and I really demotivated. I already in an attacking, attacking stance, but my hand didn't come out. <laughs> and the opponent just looked at me and hit me. I remember that clearly. And that really gave me fear uh, that, I don't want this to happen again. So I trained so hard. I kept telling myself that I can do it. And every point is an opportunity. So I have to change my mindset. 
So I remember clearly that so after uh, after the game, there is another circuit in Ipoh Perak, and I won the first gold medal after two years of my fencing career. So it's not that I started my fencing career and mm. I win I win the gold medal. It's that I have to wait for two years and I win my first goal. And for that point onwards, I never failed to gain gold medal until the year 2010. So it is a four years of being a national champion journey for me. And I remember gaining the first goal in Ipoh Perak had also given myself a newspaper captain with my name as a huge title on it. So mm. I am so happy and motivated that time. But now it's like everywhere is social media. La. That time newspaper is very big thing. La. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have like a copy yeah. of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. course, I keep. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was, uh, I was, I was asking about the highest point. These, what, what was the lowest point for you in your career? Actually, I can say it's last year. <laughs> yeah, I never feel so bad. I will say that because I have a lot of things in my mind, especially like being a woman. And yeah, I'm married already. So it's not something that comes with uh, re- without a responsibility. So I have career on my hand and further education and training. And I almost give up the hope of joining SEA Games Philippines because yeah, it's not something that everyone can do. Just let go like that. So another thing, Another thing is that uh, the payment for training and travels for competition, because when you go for competition, you need to pay at least uh, 5k to 8k per trip. And travel for training came around 10k to 13k. And buying uh, new and upgrade equipment will cost a bomb. So there is a, a lot of things that happening last year. And a lot of expectations too, because people always see me as a like ex-champion so they was thinking that oh I joined competition must be a champion again yeah so all this pressure has stressed me out and because I think um one of the things that why I started to quit my job as I said if I don't focus on one thing I will never never know that where I can achieve in my fencing career right so I am very thankful that my husband really give me a lot of support on that. But as a woman, again, we wanted a career for ourselves. So that one made me feel very bad. So actually that time gave me a lot of stress and pressure. And somehow I can't share with anyone because once I shared, they can't help me also, right? <laughs> because the only people that can help me is myself. And yeah, that's the lowest point mm, last okay. year. <laughs> yeah. I see. So I think just uh, continuing on this theme, maybe we could talk about, you know, for you, what, what do you think are some you know, mental demands of being a fencer? Having a mental demands, uh, actually, is like you need to have motivation and goal setting. So like, for example, what do I want to achieve during my training? What do I want to achieve during the bouts of games? And of course, like, oh, I wanted to remove my self-limiting belief. Example, like, I'm only five feet tall, right? Mm-hmm. So if I keep telling myself that I can fence whoever more than six feet or seven feet, I will never fence in my life already. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, turning the stress into success, uh, that's the mental demand. Every problem comes with a solution. So imagine uh, your horse had been kept in a barn. When you keep running inside the barn, you will always remain in one spot. So even though the barn is open, if you don't accept the new solution or opportunity, you're still running in a circle. 
yeah so that part is very important and building mental toughness and building self confidence yeah just like muhammad ali right a very mm-hmm. famous quote i am the greatest i say that before i knew i am yeah so the quote like for example like you have to tell yourself that i am a champion because i am fearless and strong there sometimes when you go for waiting for the competition right it's like you feel uh scared you always feel fear when you go in you feel very very scared but when this prolongs you don't feel fear anymore you just feel tired so it's like keep dragging <laughs> that kind of feeling yeah so all this mental fitness must be there must be present only you yourself can help yourself yeah that's what i tell myself yeah so were there any you know areas mentally that you kind of uh struggled with or and how did you kind of deal with that of course um the struggling part of um part is that the fear lah. like because this competition by stepping back on the piece from 2010 and 2019 by stepping back on the piece is really really <laughs> you know yeah. give me a lot of uh, pressure and people whoever even the judge you know sometimes they just go close to me hey yeah you can win this ah i was like <laughs> it's been 9 years man <laughs> i didn't even touch my blade <laughs> and you even the t- judge come to talk to me like that i feel you know sometimes if you are the opponent and then you saw the judge talk to you like that and the opponent might think that are you guys like having any um like the judge is helping you like that that's why you win so people will think like that you know when i started to join in fencing so yeah a lot of rumors a lot of uh small talks and yeah i have to deal with it it's it's not that easy you know like fencing even though it's rare but it's, it's crazy because people you can't control what people think about you right yeah so that part you have to really build a shield for yourself and continue that journey you know just tell yourself that yeah i am i am the greatest i am the best i don't care what you talk about me but i am i am myself yeah. and people who support me they are behind me who, who people who don't support me why should i care because they don't contribute to my goal yeah so i have to keep telling myself that if not i really will go crazy <laughs> yeah yeah okay Cool, cool. So I think just the last last thing on this part. Um, do you know of anyone you know who has? Uh, I mean, as you said, you know, there's a lot of mental demands in fencing, right? So do you know anyone that has you know maybe sought help uh, psychologically or mentally to like improve in their sport? Uh, if if a certain person no, I don't really know someone. But mm-hmm. usually, uh. The Malaysia Fencing Federations or even the national, the MSN side, yeah. they actually do events like um pre competitions. For example, pre Sea Games Philippines, they do a mental strength coach that come to the club or even at MSN. They will teach how to solve our fear and even how to make our focus even better and stuff like that. So, my experience last year is that this. Uh, mental strength coach went to the club. The session is that um he asks us to write down what is disturbing us during the preparation. So he asks us to follow up 
the paper and then just put it aside. So it's just like temporarily don't think about it. It's a gesture of mind allocation actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's part of the activity that I've experienced. Okay. Cool. We'll, we'll step back from the all the heavy stuff for a while. We'll go, we'll go into a section that we like to call quick fire questions. Okay. Sure. If you haven't listened to our podcast yet, what this section is basically, we'll give you a set amount of questions and give you two minutes, right? So uh, I'm going to start right now. So which do you prefer? Foil, Saber or Epi? Saber. Uh, are you more attack or defense minded? Attack. Do you prefer Saba or KL? KL. Ooh, okay. Uh, so hardest thing about traveling to a competition? Carrying a fencing bag that is almost same height with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So what's the most difficult, difficult thing about being in the protective suit? Very tight and very humid. Uh, okay. Uh, do you have a, like a favorite fencer or idol? Olga Karan, Woman Saber, World Champion. Ooh, okay. Um, so if you could pick anyone in the world, who would you want to fence against? I don't have any specific fencer, actually. Okay, okay. Uh, so what's your kind of go-to celebration when you win a point? Uh, or about? Go-to celebration? Oh, any great restaurant that is nearby <laughs> because I love to eat. So yeah, best ah, okay. is they have lobster. Oh. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> What what do you not look forward to most in training? Running ten rounds of four hundred meter tracks. Oh okay yeah yeah no one no one likes that. Um <laughs> so is that uh do you have any superstition or thing that you do before you go into a bout? I will pray before getting in a bout. Okay, and okay your time is one minute and twenty two seconds. Wow! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, let's just move on back to this. The next section is called Mind the Chat. So Mind the Chat is okay. basically about um, talking about issues that are, you know, people don't really talk about or are a bit sensitive. Or, you know, people, I wouldn't say controversial issues, but, you know, just that issues that people don't really talk about but are there, you know. So I think the okay. first one is about, um, you know, fencing, as, as you know, and as, as I know, isn't as well-known in Malaysia as like, let's say, like BAM, Badminton Association Malaysia, right? Yeah, correct. Just for the listeners who are listening in, so there's this thing called the Program Podium. Uh, so that's basically how you know, right. KBS, the, the ministry, allocates money to all the the sports associations, basically. So yes. all the basic yeah. high-performing sports or like the tier one sports, they, they usually get more money. So th- those are like your BAM, your your FAM and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, fencing is, yeah. I, I'm not sure what tier they are, but I'm pretty sure they don't get as much financial support and support from the government. Mm, actually, um, I'm not too sure. <laughs> okay, I just take, yeah, you know, I just take SEA Games as an example. Yeah. We have uh, three groups. So, three different groups is that we have uh, Selection A, Select, uh, like, ABC lah. I just put it ABC. So the group A will actually get fully funded by government. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, but this group A only have one person from fencing. Okay. Yeah. And group A must promise a medal in SEA Games. So that's why they like sponsor him to go Italy, 
to go any places that he wanted. And he's trying to qualify the uh, Olympic, like, actually. Mm-hmm. And for Group B is those uh, partially being uh, sponsored. But this one I might wanted to say is that it's not being sponsored by the government, actually. Um, that time, I remember that when I qualified myself in the ranking as top two women saber for nationally, uh, I had a... I mean, like people say that uh, we cannot go as a full team, and I'm getting quite worried because women's saber is not as strong as other uh, weapon. Mm-hmm. I have to be truthful on that, yeah. So I might be scrapped off, but that time I already like resigned and then preparing to Uzbekistan, you know. So it's a huge problem for me. It's also part of the stress, uh. So I have to think away, and. I did ask my husband for help on this. So we managed to find sponsors. And these sponsors had actually, yeah, they're being very, very supportive for our events. Even though fencing is rare, but they are being very supportive. We actually collected uh, donations of around 75K from my side. And yeah, and that managed to allow all the fences to go SEA Games competition, 24 fences. So imagine that from, uh, because maybe they're going to send like four four fences or only like six fences, the most. Mm-hmm. But now 24 fences can go as a team. Mm. Yeah. And from there, actually, they just aim for one bronze or two bronze, the most. But we bring back, I think it's two silver and one bronze. So it's out of the expectation, actually. So, yeah, these these sponsors, uh, they actually really give a lot and means a lot for us. Even though those who didn't really win, but we experienced the SEA Games, and yeah, it's really different. The feeling is different. The games and normal competition, the feeling is totally different. Even the setting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I brought this up is because uh, um, I think it's no secret that let's say I think if in the end you all you're under how to say this you all didn't get the medals that you they wanted you to get. I think I think mm-hmm. like other sports they you would kind of get um. You know, like, sports is like this, you know, like, especially high-performing sports. If you don't perform well, like, the kind of the government just, like, like ignores you and thinks you don't exist. But once you start winning stuff, then suddenly they say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, they're, they're our, our athletes, but, you know, uh, like, for example, yeah. is, I think... Actually, not true, you know, not true, because esports, no, you see, esports gets a lot of funding. Well, yeah, I think that was because of our... Before they make, <laughs> yeah, before they make a stance in anywhere, yeah. right? Actually, before they win the game, the government already give a lot of money to that side. Even football. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it's, it's not about... um. I think it's the popularity. Because people choose to watch e-games. People choose to uh, watch football. So it's something that people's choice rather than uh, whether people have produced results or not. True, yeah, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Mm, because fencing is not something that people know. So they can just, even we don't exist, people also do not know. We exist or don't exist, doesn't matter. 
yeah, actually that is quite painful for all of us fans. Be- because when we go for competition, we still, you know, and we still hold the flag of Malaysia on our yeah. chest when we fans. And all the competition is being bad by themselves. Even the parents have to pay for themselves. So it's something that a little bit of effort from everyone trying to just bring up the name of Malaysia in sensing. And yeah, I really just hope that they can pay a little bit more attention to fencing. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, you know, everyone, you know, who goes to international competition, no matter what sport you are, you, 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 yeah. you represent your country, right? And you want to get at least, you know, some support. <laughs> I'm not saying you, you fully pay yeah, everything, but you know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of support. Even Sabah, Sabah, in the other hand, they actually give a really good support to me. Uh, I am shocked when they call me and then they said, hey, I heard that you go to CGM, so we're going to give you a check of 1000 oh, very nice. It's not about the money. It's just like, I didn't, I never tell anyone that I'm going to CGM. It's just that they found out and then they just say that, oh, you're going to CGM? Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of support. So it's quite... Yeah, I feel quite shocked actually. Yeah, I think one example that I know is that I think a very successful example is I think the dodgeball team of Malaysia. So I, yeah. I know that they don't get funded by the government, but I think maybe they do get something, but I mean, probably just quite mm. quite little. Uh, But you know, it, they're not like the BAM and stuff like that. Yeah. I think they, they like raise funds themselves to, to go to all these competitions. I think the last one was in America. Uh, and you know, they, they always do yeah. well, you know, like they always first second in the world uh, but you know I, I feel like they don't get enough support and I think that's true for a lot of other sports associations in, in Malaysia you know yeah yeah it's actually quite sad to see yeah even like they try to do like I, I actually saw like I mean like this uh, a, a little bit out of topic but yeah like because like instagram like msn they're all like doing a video about all the sports trying to work out together i don't even see my yeah. sports in there it's like oh, okay you just identify <laughs> your swimmers or because i'm trying to find you see it's like oh those maybe those sea games winner in fencing they will be in there but they don't really get any you know attention at all so i was like so th- the SEA Games medal that they won doesn't mean that they don't contribute to countries, right? They did contribute a lot. Just that, why you keep on focusing on someone you know rather than you try hard enough to identify those who already get result, you see? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's quite it's quite heartbreaking to be honest to see because these people, I think they put in I wouldn't say they put in more effort, but you know they put in the same kind of effort, maybe maybe more, but they don't get. I I would I wouldn't even say it's because of the recognition, but it's like you know just like if you're going to represent your country anywhere, I think you should get that support, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, even for in Sea Games, uh, <laughs> actually. This is really in inside. I just telling here is that during Sea Games, Wushu have their own chiropractor official, you know. So we have to like ask them, like, uh, can we borrow your time for a little while? My back a bit hurt. Okay. <laughs> can you help me? So we have to go to Wushu side and then take our like have a treatment and then we go back. We have to walk back to fencing set, uh, fencing arena again. 
I mean, thank God is just in front and at the back. Mm. <laughs> because we don't even know that they provide like mobile chiropractor official. Yeah, I think, I think ISN does provide for all the like the, the, the spots that they target, they'll get medals in. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's a bit right. sad when you're, when you're not one of those spots. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to pinjam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's just move on to the next topic. Um, so I think this topic is a bit closer to home for you. Um, it's, you know, being yeah. an athlete past, you know, like, you know, usually in every sport, there's like a prime age or like a peak age that you are at. Uh, like football is usually like yeah. 25 to like, what, 24 to like 20, 28 maybe. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what mm. the peak, the prime age to be a fencer is, but you know, I I I feel like you, I feel like you're past that already. So I just want to get your. your... I'm always eighteen in heart. Oh, yeah, I think everyone else thinks you're eighteen as well, so that's good. Um, but I think maybe your experience on you know what, how being an athlete past the prime age is, and you know maybe what are the challenges or like uh you know I, I'm pretty sure people say you know like oh you're you're pretty old. Why are you still doing this and stuff like that? And how do you yeah, yeah. <laughs> get your opinion on this? Yeah, actually, um, on this is that uh, for fencers, uh, most most of them, like, after university, they don't fence anymore. Okay. Yeah. They just, uh, around 25, uh, I think, 25, 26, then that's, that's the most. But uh, 30, being, I mean, like, this day I'm 30, lah. <laughs> I mean, being an athlete that passed the prime age is quite difficult. First is, of course, our physical level is not as strong as the young people already. But we still can cope. Fencing, they have a lot of uh, competitions for, example, like senior fencers and like veterans. They also have competition for veterans and uh, they have categories. So I don't think there is uh, much problems on that. But for now, for my age, of course, it's a little bit tough because senior meaning is open for everyone. So those who have been fencing uh, since young, like five years old until now, maybe 29 years old, so they have much... Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's a problem, actually. Yeah, just that whether they want to do it, just that uh, Malaysian, Malaysian actually have a... I mean, mindset, mm. like, you know, after, after your age of 25, 26, you don't have to fence or you don't have to do the sports that you love so aggressively. You just do it as your hobby. Uh, that's the thing. Uh. So for me, I, I don't I don't really want to listen to all, mm. all that stuff because I, I don't want to regret in my life. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, just, just, mm. you know, just do your thing, right? Just mm. do it. <laughs> But what what better time to do it than now, lah? Right? You don't wanna. Yeah. You don't wanna be. Because I I won't know, I won't know what happened tomorrow. I won't know what happened in the future. But if I don't do now on something that I love, then when I want to do it. Definitely yeah. not when you retire, lah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think let's move on to the next part, which is just myths. Uh, so this is like, mm. trying to help this demystify some myths about about the sport. Yeah. Uh, I think the first myth is, you know, that I think I, I have heard personally, because I, I have a few friends that mm-hmm. fence and you know we always joke about this. Okay. <laughs> uh but you know yeah. they say fencing is for rich people only. Mm, fencing okay, last time fencing gear is very hard to get. Because you have to get from Germany, you have to get from a lot of places, it's very, very expensive. Because 
imagine one blade is maybe cost around uh, 170 in China. Mm. Then you have to pay for the postage fee and everything. So it's already 300 plus. So that time, last time, uh, 300 plus is a lot, yeah. right? But now it's yeah. like 100 ringgit doesn't cost anything. Yeah. <laughs> actually. When you go grocery shopping, yeah. 100 ringgit nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Groceries cost around 400 oh, okay. already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so fencing for rich people, I think that is in the past. Uh, but for now, is I don't think that's a problem anymore. Because all the equipments and wires and stuff like that, even sometimes when you just wanted to try out fencing, the clubs are... The clubs that I went to, the Musketeer Fencing Academy, they actually uh, provide you... Like, you can borrow, oh, you know? Yeah. You can borrow until oh, you really... Yeah, you really wanted to fence... For competition then they ask you to buy even you buy for the full gear only is like 500 plus oh okay 600 plus yeah yeah it's not that expensive as last time because the equipment now is easier to get already ah okay okay hmm. so i think the next myth is i i mean i think i heard this from people who don't really <laughs> who don't really understand <laughs> fencing you know uh but you know they say that you know fencing isn't a real sport <laughs> fencing isn't a real sport hmm yeah <laughs> They can try to squat for like maybe three minutes or four minutes and keep going forward and backward. I think they will like just lose their legs. <laughs> but <laughs> fencing, I mean, fencing is a sport where last time they would think that, yeah, because people say that last time in the past is for rich people. That's why uh, they don't really have the exposure. Like everyone can play badminton by the roadside, mm-hmm. right? Fencing is something, yeah, you need a place to fence. And actually, fencing is the combination of aerobic and anaerobic. So I don't think it's not a sport. <laughs> yeah, even you fence like three minutes, you will like, your heartbeat can spike until 150. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, because fencing is also... Yeah, that's why it's it's not it's not saying that it's not a real sport. It's a sport. <laughs> yeah, I think that that leads to the next the next myth, which is you know that fencing is just easy. Just you know hit them lah on the whatever. What's <laughs> so hard about that? You know, <laughs> come <laughs> we fence. <laughs> Actually, it's a coordination, a coordination, flexibility, and of course your strategy. So all these things, uh, if you. Chinchai play, of course, easy lah. <laughs> if you really wanted to run, you wanted to win, it's a different story again. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess, I guess it'd be really hard mm. because you have to do like so many things at, at the same time, process it. Yeah, yeah. That's why what I mentioned before is that you have to practice until your muscle memory remembers what you're doing and react to it. So it's just reflex. Yeah, I think, so like the, maybe we can give a final note or message to the viewers. So maybe, you know, after after the listeners listen to this, they feel like fencing now, or you know, they feel like becoming a national fencer. <laughs> uh, do you have any you know advice or messages or you want to uh, give to them? How they can get into fencing? Maybe how they can make a career out of it? How to become a national athlete? Stuff like that. Uh, actually, uh, you can you can just go to Musketeer Fencing Academy. You can find them in Facebook. They also have the website. You can join them. And if you wanted to make a career out of it, being a national team, it's not say, uh, saying that it's too late <laughs> because uh, I have one fencer, it's a new fencer, started after his lawyer career, mm. which is 
50 plus years okay. old, you know. <laughs> yeah, because he wanted to join the veteran competition. Uh, Their veteran world championship was oh. so he aiming for that. Yeah. So, I mean, age doesn't matter. So, if you have the heart to fans, why not just uh, start somewhere? Yeah, you don't you don't have to think so much about it. You try first. If you don't like, then it's not your thing. If you like it, then just continue. I mean, take it as a hobby first. Then think career later. Yeah, yeah. I think like you know, if mm. anyone wants to pick up fencing, now be a good time because uh, you wear such a big big protective suit. Coronavirus can't get to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a huge mask yeah. too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think you know. Thank you, Kimberly, for for this. And you know, maybe this is the last thing. Yeah. How can people get a hold of you if they have any maybe questions or inquiries about what what we talked about today or more about fencing? Actually, I have a blog, uh, like I mentioned earlier. So yeah, the blog is quite cute. I put the name the fencing goat dot blog. Okay, I'll you know I'll link that just so that people can go to it. Yeah, if they sure, want. no problem. Yeah. yeah. And they can read through what is the experience in fencing and even they wanted to travel, how they travel and stuff like that. Yeah, everything is there. Okay. Well, you know, it's been a great pleasure, Kimberly. Thank you for coming on the podcast again. Sure, you're welcome. Have a good day. You too. Have a good day. Well, everyone, that was all for this episode. I just want to thank Kimberly, you know, for agreeing to come on and share her insights with us. Hopefully this episode kind of opened your eyes more to the world of fencing because uh, it did for me, you know, and especially her experience coming back into the sport after, well, I would say considerable amount of years. And if you like the podcast, you know, share it with your friends, uh, follow us on social media, making memes about it if that's what you want to do, uh, tweet us or messages and, you know, let us know what you thought about this episode. You can get to know more about us at mindgapmy.com that's m-i-n-d-g-a-p-m-y dot c-o-m and while you are at our website you can subscribe to us and if you do subscribe to us you get a free ebook on identifying your motivation types and how to harness that motivation for yourself so this has been brian from mindgap you know this show is brought to you by mindgap a sports psychology consultancy And, you know, that's all today from Insights, our podcast. And I'll see you on the next episode. Until then, cheers.